The following content is rated explicit for language in adult situations. So listen with headphones. Or don't. We don't judge. Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a full-length spinoff of your favorite childhood series? Then do we have a podcast for you. Hello, Fire Whiskers. I'm Claire. And I'm Kat. And this is Fire Whiskey and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fan fiction. The Debt of Time. Each episode, we read a chapter of this story. And try to stay on topic. Which is easier said than done. Without further ado, here's this week's chapter of The Debt of Time. Now that Kat's done dying, hello! Will you shut up and stop telling people that? <laughs> well, I just meant because you were coughing. Good lord. Is it the coral yeah. dust? Are you allergic to the coral dust? No, I am not allergic <laughs> to the coral dust. And, like, I'm sorry if I'm, like, if I sound weird, but, like, I'm not having a good breathing day today. So I'm sorry if I sound a little, like, asthmatic is that here. A thing? Uh, asthmatic here. It is a thing. Also, it may just be, like, allergies. What the hell is coral dust? Oh, yeah, no, that's not actually a thing. You'll See, hear that's... the tangent from earlier. Um, but no, she was saying that in Key West, people were like, I have a coral dust allergy. And she's like, is that actually a thing? So I Googled it. It's not a thing. I mean, it could be a thing, but it's not a thing. It's pea dust. And it, no, you're not allergic to a fucking rock. Um, I, I, yeah, but to be fair, the article you read was about dogs. Well, yeah, so. but I feel like it applies. But anyway, um, like, I feel like if, yes, you're breathing in any sort of dust, it's going to give you, like, allergy-like symptoms. But my assumption would be, well, like, with my mom, she's, whenever the mango flowers start blooming, she gets super allergy-riddled. So my assumption would be that, like, what's blooming right now? The uh, poinciennas or... I have no idea. There's probably something blooming. I realized, I found out that one of the reasons people get allergies in the fall, I'm like, why the fuck are we getting allergies in the fall? Everything's dead. The leaves are starting to rot. And leaf rot can cause... uh, The spores from the mold Mm -hmm. uh, can cause allergies. So that's probably... I have way worse allergies in the fall than I do in the spring. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, yeah, oh, there's a bunch of grasses in the south that bloom, like oh, a yeah. bunch oh, of winter God. grasses. Yeah. Um, in Clarksville, it's there's this pear tree, and they're ugly and they smell like death. I, and they're an invasive exotic. They're fucking everywhere. But yeah, no, when they bloom, they're really pretty. Like the entire tree is covered Those in. Those are like, in Alabama flowers. too. They're the fucking worst. They smell some, like death. There's some and they make in Texas, sick. but there's there's those are in. Like, I've driven through areas, like, in Alabama, where those are, too. Uh, There was a part of my old neighborhood that had, like, six of them. All of the cars there were just forever yellow for, like, a month straight. Where I grew up, my high school was mostly outdoor sidewalks. And in the spring, you could sweep up pollen off of the sidewalks. Like, your jeans would, like... Your car? Eras of... Oh, yeah, like, your... Like, it was the era of flare jeans that dragged to the ground. So, like, <laughs> like the hem of your pants would be green by the end of the day because so of gross. dragging through pollen all day long. It's amazing that I didn't, like, leave high school with more allergy problems. But, yeah. That's probably why. Um, it deadened your... <laughs> well, because that's why they say kids who live in the country have fewer allergies than kids who live in the city. It's because they're exposed to more pollen, more dust, more shit in the air. 
and they're also outside more, and that's why they have less it's allergies. because they're outside more. Yeah. They tend to be uh. sick less, not that they tend to have less allergies. Uh, I heard they had less allergies because it's the same thing with peanuts. When you're exposed to it younger, you're mm. less likely to have extreme uh, reactions. So, like, that all the local sense. Tennesseans are like, yeah, my allergies aren't that bad. And all the people who moved here from Washington are like, I'm dying. It's like, yeah. <laughs> sorry. It takes three to four years to adapt. It's fucking miserable. Because, like, the first year we were here from, I- like, the end of the, the beginning, like, mid-March, I think. Mid-March to, like... The end of June, I was just dying, and I thought I had, like, colds. It was just fucking allergies. Oh, I get I get sick every time the cottonwoods bloom here. Ugh. Anyway. That is the most Texan thing you ever said. Every time the cottonwoods bloom, I get the allergies. No, like, I run a fever. Like, I get sick. Fuck like, I get a cold. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Shit. Cat's gonna kill us. We're not doing tangents today. We gotta record, <laughs> otherwise Cat's gonna fall asleep. It is oh, late. fuck. It is late. I also just realized... I'm so glad I have a, a chocolate brownie to accompany me with this. Um, yeah, I'm going to keep the glasses on because then you guys can't see me cry. <laughs> anyway, hello, Kat. What happened was... Threats. <laughs> Did you say Tourette's? No, she oh, said threats. She's going to threat. She's threatening us because... No, 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 no. no. That, that was the entire no. last chapter. It was threats. Yeah, because Maya reminded oh. Vernon and Petunia of what she said to them at the wedding. Like, I misunderstood a text message earlier, and that's making me so much more sense. <laughs> yeah, no, but Cat, yeah. when Cat wants to threaten you, she just sends you a text that says threat. Well, you said something about like Cat let us know about tan about tangents, and was also part of the conversation of like hey, do you have what had happened was ready? Yes, and all she said yes. was like, I've got one word, threats. threats. And I just took that as a response to both things. And so... No, no, no. That was yes. 100% for how the she one. handled the Dursleys. She... Maya not put wrong. them in the fucking closet. Okay. So last night, Micah was tired and we got in bed at like 8.30 and he turned on Sorcerer's Stone. And so, you know, it's... First of all, the version that's on Peacock is an extended cut because there's yes. like four scenes, scenes that I've yeah. never seen before. Anyway, so I mentioned something about how this is the chapter we just read where Maya was threatening the Dursleys. Yeah. And he was like so affronted that I told him that. He's like, that's going to be in my head now. And I'm like, <laughs> why would you tell me that? Oh, and that's why, right. He hates Why would you? Why would you and he was like so mad. That I told him something non-canonical. It was just... And I, was I like, forgot about his hate of fan fiction because he doesn't it, want to screw the books up in his head. It's not just that. It's like... Hermione would never do that. Which, of course, my response was like, well, no, it was Maya. He was like, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. Damn you. It's um, like, no, I have to forget that. Okay, my bad. Well, okay, Kat, in that case, if you weren't done... What else? What else had happened was? Jesus Christ, man. Like, yeah, I wasn't done. <laughs> so she threat. Well, then yeah, she reminded them of the threats. She put them in the closet. Yes. Kind of show them how Harry felt, you know, which is kind of funny. I learned that Dudley was actually nice. And Clara's like, damn movies. But, you know, I didn't know that Dudley was actually nice. At the and, end. Yeah, yeah I, and I think... That that Dudley was nice as a stretch. 
Dudley. Okay. He was cordial. He had a change of heart. Yeah. He was cordial towards Harry and he was definitely headed towards. Redemption arc. A redemption arc of. Yeah. Yeah. And then we went, got to the sad stuff about how it was the anniversary of when James and Lily died and how Maya doesn't like Halloween and all of that, which I did not realize. So. Yeah. That's what had happened was. And apparently this chapter I'm going to cry at the end according to this author's note. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> hey there, Fire Whiskers. Beating Kit Kat is bringing you a Black Friday special. All sterling jewelry is 30% off. This is the first sale of its type and available this week only. That's all sterling jewelry for 30% off, including her Fire Whiskey and Honey Pendants, Can You Swim Pendants, Patronus Pendants, and Rings. And because she loves the Fire Whiskers best, you can combine her sale with our code FWHPOD for an additional discount. That's F-W-H-P-O-D. See our pod notes and Facebook group for the link to Beating Kit Kat's Etsy store. Real quick before we get into this, uh, I have been listening to uh, Tom Felton's autobiography, which he reads. So again, I'm not a huge, I, I am a bigger audiobook person now than I used to be, but my favorite You're is- You're welcome. Yes. Cat <laughs> is the one who got me to read, listen to an, my first audiobook, which was Shonda Rhimes's My Year of Yes. And the reason Cat wanted me to listen to it instead of read it was because Shonda reads it herself. Mm-hmm. And when they talk about the speeches she gave, she doesn't read them. They play the original audio of her giving the speeches, which completely changes it. Like it's spectacular. So if you've never read that, I know I've recommended that book repeatedly on this podcast. Seriously, fucking listen to it, especially if you're a Grey's Anatomy scandal, uh, how to get away with murder fan. That being said, Tom Felton reading this, he'll like start laughing at certain parts and like can't read it straight. <laughs> but um I am going to give away one small part of the book just cuz this to me was so great. Um he done okay, Hannah Beth is going to take off her headphones. Um and I have you, to edit this. Why am I taking <laughs> off? Never mind. <laughs> Fuck that. It's just it's it's a very small part. But Tom had been in two movies prior to the Potter series and had done a couple of ads. So he was fairly well versed in acting, unlike most of the main actors, especially uh, Rupert and Emma. And so when Chris Columbus, you know, runs through all the original uh, auditions, he has all the kids in a room and he's like, all right, guys, well, we're going to leave. You guys just hang out, do kids stuff. Uh, We're not going to be recording you. Bye. And of course, they are recording them. And, you know, if you look at the main three with kid actors, they can be good actors, but it's easier to pick a kid who embodies that character to begin with. So if you want a cheeky kid, you hire a cheeky actor who can play a cheeky kid well, right? So anyway, um, Tom, having been something of a seasoned actor now at the age of like 11 or whatever he is, is hanging out there and looking kind of like bored. And this little frizzy haired uh, brunette walks up to him and goes, what is that? And like points above them. And he's like, oh, it's a boom mic. They're recording us. And she was like, oh. (laughs) And so he was like, you know, uh, it concerned me because clearly he was casting children who embodied the characters. And he's like, so getting picked for Draco is like mildly horrifying. But looking back on that moment, I totally understand why I got the part. 
because I had that, like, oh, you're an idiot. You don't know this, which is 100% wizard talking to a muggle, right? Totally. So, like, it's just, it's so freaking cute. But no, it's such an interesting look into his life and behind the scenes of what it was like working with people like Alan Rickman, working with people like Maggie Smith. And just the horrifying stories of him, like, ruining tanks, uh, takes because he couldn't stop laughing. Every time a kid did that and, like, screwed up multiple takes, they required them to put 10 pounds into a bucket. And then at the end of the, each uh, movie, they would donate the bucket to, like, a children's foundation or something. Um, Rupert Grant apparently donated somewhere in the vicinity of $2,500 from the first two movies alone. <laughs> so... Mind blown. Anyway, okay, that's enough of the book. As it's, a twelve-year-old. As a twelve-year-old. <laughs> but anyway, the book is incredible. Highly recommend listening to it. I love Tom. I loved Tom Felton to begin with. I love him even more now. Um, um we were talking last week about Gilmore Girls, mm-hmm. and um, speaking of memoirs that are delightful that are read by the people who wrote them, Lauren Graham's "Talking as Fast <gasps> as I Can" is fantastic that ooh, okay that's going on my list i see cat's face i think that's going on both part lists it's really good well um, i actually have the paper back because audrey gave it to me and then back when kenny and i were apart i did that single swag box because they sent you stuff to make you feel better Aww. about being single <laughs> and one of the things that came was that book so i literally have nice. two copies but i've obviously never cracked it open it's really yeah. good and um, audiobook credit she reads it herself and she reads it super fast, like she talks all the time, which I love. Um, yeah. But Thank then God also- you can slow down Audible. <laughs> True. <laughs> I still listen to it like on one and a quarter because I'm a psychopath. <laughs> um, and the other one that I really I recommend a lot that's nonfiction that's read by the author is um, Carrie Elwes wrote a book about the Princess Bride called As oh, You Wish. Yes. That he like. It was like for the 20th or 25th anniversary, and he asked people about their experiences as part of the book. Um, and so most of them read their own parts. So it's like okay. all these very famous people reading parts about, and then they all talk so, like, okay, so The Princess Bride is my favorite movie, like, yes. hands down. And so yeah, it's just one of those, it's just one of those things where having all of these people who were, mostly not famous at the time except for like billy crystal and um who played valerie god damn it oh fuck yes i know who you're talking about but i can see her face i can okay anyway it's fine it's gonna bug me anyway um there just were there was only a handful of, like the main characters were not super famous at all anyway so just hearing them talk all of them about how absolutely lovely this experience was and how much they enjoyed making this film and you could see that like in the way that this movie got made and hearing them talk about it 25 years later like this long lost love is like so wholesome and delightful it's carol yeah Kane, that's why i like it when like um thank you like when betty white died and they did that tribute that they did on tv for her like i like yes. it when celebrities gush on other celebrities because it reminds you that they're still human yes because they can appreciate other famous people's work even though they are famous themselves i yeah. like hearing them gush about other people it yes, makes me happy carol yes carol carol Kane. 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 yeah Kane. yep my favorite thing is seeing actors being starstruck by other actors 
It's so funny. It's so yeah. cute. It's so cute. Okay. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Now that we got lighthearted threats. things. Oh, right. Threats. Yeah. Did you finish what had happened was? Yes. Okay. I'm done. Author's note. Heads up, and you probably all know this from the end of the last chapter, grab your tissues. I couldn't even get through reading this during the final edit. Chapter 142. I got it. I got it. <laughs> Cat follows directions. I got it. She literally has a tissue. I do not. Um, I I've got a long sleeve shirt on, though, so I'm fine. Uh, <laughs> God, you're like that kid in the commercial. Do you remember that commercial? Yes. <laughs> yeah, when she's like, don't use your sleeve, and she, the kid uses the other guy next to him. <laughs> that was my favorite commercial okay last thing one thing that i loved about my mom was when i had like a really hard day in middle school or high school and now as a mom of a toddler i see why she let me i would like get really upset and be crying and then i'd give her a hug and then i would just like rub my nose on her shirt and she's like Ugh. and but she would let me and it was like one of those, it was such a childish thing to do and i was a teenager doing it but now that my son, when he cries on my shoulder and then he leaves and I see like the mucus on my shoulder, I'm like, if he wanted to do this when he was 16, I'd be okay with it because it would remind me of this. And yeah, it, it's, I, I struggle with mucus. It grosses me out. But at the same time, I've really worked to overcome my textural issue with it because I can wash my hands. I can wash my skin. I can wash my shirt. It's going to come out. It's not vomit would be another thing but i can deal with a little bit of mucus anyway chapter 142 bad ideas october 31st 1998 it's a bad idea sirius said to remus over breakfast while maya was in the shower getting ready for the day they had slept a few more hours after he had woken to find the witch kissing the stag tattoo on his back, which was a great deal healthier than what he and Remus usually did to cope with Halloween. The hangovers they were currently nursing while the sober-up potion finished brewing was proof enough of that. Maybe she needs this, Remus suggested, as he drained his third cup of coffee. Mum said to drink water, Sirius said, reminding him of Daria's strict rules for hangovers before changing the subject back. And yes, she might need this, but I don't think she's ready. She's technically already been there. Didn't you say that you, Hermione, and Harry went to Godric's Hollow last year on Christmas? And then got ambushed by Death Eaters. Not my best Christmas ever, Sirius said with a scowl. Then again, I did kill Dalahov, so it wasn't exactly my worst. You're probably right, Remus said. It's only been a little over a month for her. I know she understands that they're gone, but emotionally, they might as well be on an extended honeymoon. Will Harry be okay? Sirius remembered how his godson had broken down at the sight of his parents' graves. It reminded him that it had been years since he had visited Charles and Doria's final resting places. Making a mental note to revisit that thought later, he focused on Harry. The first time was a shock to his system, I think. He'd never seen their graves before. Then again, neither had I. Are you going to be okay? I have to be, Sirius said firmly. I have to be strong for them both. Are you sure you don't want me to come along? Sirius shook his head. I know you don't like going there. You've told me before. Plus, full moon's in a few days, and after the amount you drank last night, you should get some rest while you can. 
Remus chuckled. After three cups of coffee, I don't think I'll be resting much. Then take the kid out to collect sweets from muggles, Sirius suggested. Teddy's six months old, Sirius. What's he going to do with a bunch of sweets? Give them to his father, I assume. Remus grinned. He's a good son, a very thoughtful boy. Also, yeah, 100% did that with my child and his Halloween candy. He got exactly zero of it. <laughs> I ate all of it. Very useful. The ground of Godric's Hollow Cemetery was not covered in snow like the last time they had been there, but the cold of October left a sparkling frost on the grass that crunched when they stepped forward, slowly closing in on the marble headstone. Harry approached the memorial stone with a bouquet of pink lilies in his hand, having come prepared this time. He did not feel the stabbing pain in his chest. Instead, a dull ache reminded him, not of his own pain, but of the suffering and grief he had known Remus and Sirius had gone through, and that Hermione was going through now. He would have to be strong. Strong for his family. He reached out and brushed his fingers against the engraved names, hoping that his parents could give him strength. James Potter, Lily Potter. 27 March 1960, 30 January 1960. Died 31 October 1981. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, Harry whispered, as he set down the flowers at the foot of his parents' grave. He turned to tell Hermione and Sirius they could come forward, having assumed they were both giving him a moment to himself. However, he did not see a sad couple waiting for him. Instead, he saw Hermione buckled to the ground, struggling against Sirius's grip as she clawed at the grass, tears pouring down her face. He had only seen grief like that on the day of the final battle, when she had thought that he had died and turned her grief-stricken wrath towards Voldemort in an attempt to kill. The expression on her face was frightening. She looked like she was screaming, but no sound was coming out. It was only when he saw Sirius's wand in hand that he realized his godfather had silenced her. We don't need any more attention, Sirius said in a broken voice to Harry, as he rushed over and fell to his knees in front of Hermione while she sobbed. Her eyes were clenched shut, and her knuckles white as her fingers dug into the frozen ground beneath them, as though she could pull his parents back to life through the grass. As her body shook, Harry could see that she was gasping for breath, letting each gulp of air she got into her lungs out with a deafening scream. Or at least, it would have been deafening were it not for the silencing charm. Harry was grateful that Sirius had thought ahead for that. Despite Godric's Hollow being a small village, if spotted, they would draw the attention of anyone who dared look their way. And today was not about him. It was about his parents and the sacrifice they made. It was also about Hermione and what she felt she needed to do, which, right now, Harry felt had been a mistake. She broke free from Sirius's grip and fell into Harry's open arms. He could feel her choking for air and tried to adjust her body so that she could breathe easier. Instead, she buckled further curling in on herself while he stroked her hair and back in a comforting gesture, not knowing what else to do. He had faced Death Eaters, a basilisk, dragons, 
Voldemort himself, and had even died once, but he felt unbearably helpless as he tried to comfort his best friend. Harry hoped that Sirius would have a better plan, but apparently the moment that Hermione had broken free from his arms, his godfather had rushed away from them, clenching his fingers in his hair around the back of his head, his elbows bent, nearly touching in front of him as he shielded his face while he let out deep, heaving sobs. Unlike Hermione's, they were easily heard. Eventually, Sirius stood up straight and wiped his face before returning to Harry and Hermione, who was still sobbing, though instead of screams, she appeared to be silently mumbling something. He aimed his wand at her, whispered, Finite, and her voice was returned to her. Harry leant his cheek against the top of her head, still stroking his fingers up and down her spine while she repeatedly whimpered, Jamie, Jamie, Jamie. This was a bad idea, Sirius mumbled. I'm so sorry, kitten. I should have stood my ground and said no, he said, his gray eyes glassy as he avoided Harry's gaze. I, I want my brother. Sirius winced and looked away. Hermione, Harry whispered, I, I think you should let Sirius take you home. She pulled away from him immediately and stood up. No, I'm not going back. I want, I want my brother. She said again before gripping her wand tightly and disapparating. Fuck, Sirius shouted. Too late to have stopped her. Oh, shit. She could be anywhere. What if she splinched herself? I need to send Remus a Patronus. Harry frowned. I know where she went. What? Where? We need to follow her. I... I think I should go alone, Harry said quietly. You heard her. She... She needs my dad. I'm the closest thing she's got. She wants her brother. He cleared his throat and stood up. <clears throat> I'm... Her brother now, so she's got me. He looked up and met the worried but approving stare of his godfather. I'll send a Patronus when I find her, he promised, and then disapparated away. Okay, hold on. I was actually sobbing when I made those lines. Um, I'm very proud I was able to <clears throat> straighten my voice out between. He arrived moments later at Hogwarts and stepped through the iron gates, noting that Though magical wards had been set up, they still allowed him to pass freely. As he closed the gates behind him, Hagrid and McGonagall approached him, both with concerned expressions on their faces. I take it she's here? Everything all right, Harry? She looked right upset when she came through. Tried asking her to stop in for tea, but she darted right off into the forest there, Hagrid said, his eyes swimming with genuine concern. We was just going to go in after her. Harry frowned and looked from Hagrid to the headmistress. We went to Godric's Hollow, he said, and both the half-giant and witch signaled their immediate understanding. I I'm really sorry about this, Professor, er, headmistress. McGonagall shook her head. Nothing that could be done about it. She has to grieve sometime, and grief is not a pretty thing. Still, is there a reason that you believe she's gone into the Forbidden Forest? 
Harry nodded, but kept tight-lipped, knowing that he had already told more people than he should have about the resurrection stone and dropping it in the middle of the forest. She's looking for something. I hope she finds it then. Harry sighed and turned to walk towards the trees, whispering under his breath, She won't. He slowly began his walk through the forest where he had, technically, died, eyes raking over the scenery that was lit by the afternoon sun breaking through the branches of the trees. The forbidden forest held so many memories for him. He noted briefly an area where, as first years, he and his friends, and Malfoy, had been brought for detention with Hagrid. The forest? Malfoy said in shock. We can't go in there. There's all sorts of things in there. Werewolves, I heard. The memory made Harry The memory made Harry chuckle to himself as he thought of the scared look on Draco's face. Draco, who, now, according to Hermione, was family. Harry never thought he would live to see the day when he would be friends, let alone family, with Malfoy. Then again, he had not thought he would live to see much past his 17th birthday. You've been so brave his mother said as she approached him. He went into the forest to die, to save everyone, and he knew he did not have much time because he had stunned Sirius in order to get out without a fuss. Harry knew the moment his godfather came to, he would be in trouble with the whole order descending upon the forest to stop him from what needed to be done. He stared into the mirror, mirror image of himself that he knew to be his father. Harry had always known his parents had died so very young, but to see them face to face like this only reminded him more of his own impending mortality. He was only seventeen, but soon to die at the hands of the man who killed both of his parents, not much younger than they had been when they died. You're nearly there, son, his father said with a smile on his face. We are so proud of you. I'm scared, Harry said. Does it hurt? Dying? his mother asked. Not at all, sweetheart. Don't be afraid. We're here with you. I'm so sorry. You died and it was all because of me. It was because we made choices, son, his father insisted. Life isn't about fate. It's about choice. We chose to fight. The only thing we didn't choose was to protect you because that came naturally, as naturally to us as you protecting those you love. Harry tried to summon back his courage. Ginny and Sirius and Ron and Hermione. His father grinned brightly. You'll stay with me? Harry asked. Who says until the very end? His dad or Lily? Until the very end? Uh, Lily. Until the very end. Hermione! Harry called out for her as soon as he began to wander in the direction of the clearing where the final battle had taken place, where Voldemort had struck him down with a killing curse, destroying the Horcrux inside of him and ultimately sealing everyone's fate. The place where Sirius and Remus were tortured, where Neville killed Nagini, and where Hermione tried sacrificing herself. Harry Potter. Harry turned, one drawn on instinct, until he was met with a familiar face and withdrew it with an apologetic smile. Ferent, you're looking well, he said, his eyes immediately scanning the centaur's flank where he knew he had been wounded in battle. I didn't expect to see you in the forest. 
The Palomino centaur stepped forward, his long, white, blonde hair pulled to the side in a braid. While the castle is being finished, I have rejoined my herd here, and have yet to decide whether or not to return to this school. Have the planets and stars not told you what's already... Have the planets and stars not told you what's already going to happen? Harry asked, with a wry grin, and was answered by a silent stare that looked neither upset or amused, but left him feeling guilty all the same. Sorry. Um, you haven't seen Hermione, have you? A chestnut-colored centaur trotted up behind Ferenz, his red tail swishing behind him. The weeping human. She's foolish to enter this forest alone. Ronin, Ferenz turned back to look at his brother. She's much stronger than she appears, if you remember. Ronin rolled his eyes briefly, but then bowed his head in bitter agreement. Yes, she's the one who delivered the offensive witch to us, he said, scowling as he spoke of Umbridge. Shame we let her go. Agreed, Harry said. Where did you see the girl? Ferenz asked. Ronan gestured to a grouping of trees, his crossbow tight in hand as though it were an extension of his arm. Just through there. She should not shout at such a volume. Not all creatures in the forest are as understanding of her reasons for being here as we are. And what are her reasons? Harry asked. Healing, Ronan answered. Harry frowned and then nodded. Thank you both so much. Farewell, Harry Porter, Ronan said, and walked in the opposite direction. Ferenc hesitated. Tell your friend that she will not find her answers in the past, but in the future. I will. Thank you. Harry made his way through the trees where Ronan directed him, and soon everything began looking familiar. He could hear Hermione yelling just up ahead, her words like a dagger to his heart. Accio! Resurrection Stone! Accio! Resurrection Stone! She walked around the clearing, aiming her wand out randomly, attempting to summon the Resurrection Stone he knew would not come to her. Tears streaked down her cheeks, which were now dirty. Her hair was disheveled in a way that reminded him of when she was younger. Spinning around to aim her wand in different directions, she slipped and fell to her knees. Not even bothering to dust herself off or check to see if she'd been injured, she stood back up and resumed her search. Hermione? Accio! Accio! I can't do this! She collapsed on the ground, burying her face in her hands. I can't live here. I want to go back. I should have done something. Harry rushed to her side and drew her quickly into his arms. Hermione, we've talked about this, he said, pressing his forehead against hers. I want him back. I want... She took in small gasps of air as she struggled to breathe. I want my brother. Aren't I your brother? Hermione gave a small smile and nodded, but then continued to cry. His wand was in one hand. The other had been clenched into a tight fist, and he struggled to move as he whispered, I don't know how to help you. That's not true, son, a voice said from behind him. Harry turned and looked up to see the image of his father staring down at him, 
a look of pain in his eyes as he focused on Hermione. Harry swallowed hard and looked down in his hand, opening it to reveal the resurrection stone that he had kept secret from everyone. You've held on to this. Uh, shit. <clears throat> You've held on to it this long for a reason, James said. You lied about dropping it for a reason. It's okay. She needs this. And then you can both let go. Harry acknowledged his father's words and reached out for Hermione's hand, slipping the stone into her palm. She looked up, surprised. Harry? He swallowed nervously. I I kept the stone. I, I'm so sorry, but I, I was weak and I couldn't let it go, but I think I need to let it go, Hermione. I have a family. You're my family. You, Ginny, Sirius, Remus, Tonks, Teddy, Ron, and apparently Malfoy, he added, slightly annoyed. I have a family and I need to let go of the ones I've lost. He turned to the resurrection stone in her hand. I think you need to let go too. Hermione's eyes widened as she looked up to see James standing beside Harry. Jamie? James smiled crookedly at her and knelt down in front of her. Hey, baby sister, why is your face all wet? She burst into a fresh set of sobs. Jamie, I'm so sorry. He reached out as if to wipe away her tears, but his hand never connected with her face. I know, but you don't have to be. Hey, I hate to ruin the mood, but I have a question. <laughs> and I, no, seriously, like, I feel like I should know this, but I don't, and it's driving me crazy. What the heck is a resurrection stone? Okay, ooh, all right. Let's go back to the story of the three brothers. Son um, of a fuck, you bitch, these stupid-ass movies. Anyway. <laughs> they, yeah, they don't explain it well. So, do you remember the tale of the three brothers that Xenophilia's love good tells them, and they did, like, the whole thing with, like, the shadows yeah. and whatnot? Okay, yeah. so the three brothers each got to ask for something from death, and then death used that to reclaim them, right? The first one asked for a wand that could never be beaten, and death plucked it from the elder tree, um, turned Hence it into the elder wand. Yes, turned it into a wand, and knew that he would be a dumbass and claimed to be unbeatable. And then somebody killed him in his sleep and took the wand, and so death took the first brother. The second brother had lost the woman he loved. And he wanted to bring her back. And so Death picked up a stone from the river and gave it to him. And when he turned it thrice in hand, it would bring back your loved ones. But, of course, it can't bring back the body. It's just sort of like a ghost. And you can interact with them and you can talk with them. And they totally understand everything. But they're dead. They're not supposed to be in the world of the living. So she was not thrilled about being back. The second brother wanted to be back with her and missed her so much and wanted her to be happy. So then he killed himself and death took the second brother. And then of course the third brother took death's cloak of invisibility, passes it down family to family to family. And that's how James and then Harry end up with it. Um, so the resurrection stone allows you to see the dead and communicate with, it basically turns you into a medium um, but they're not back back. And the only person who can see them is the person who is holding the stone or in this case has recently held the stone. So Harry was able to bring his dad. And then when he handed it to Hermione and she held it, Maya, whatever, um, she was then able to see Jamie. Got it. 
Because so. I was going to ask, they have all of these spells for all these other things, but they don't have spells to bring back people. Okay. Yeah, Some that's things why it's magic. A, it's, yeah, it's permanent. Mm-hmm. That's why they're unforgivable. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And that's also why Voldemort was so terrified of dying and was willing to do crazy shit like try and steal the Sorcerer's Stone or Philosopher's Stone, depending on what continent you're on, um, drinking the unicorn blood, etc., And then, so you know that that's the Deathly Hallows, right? Yes. Okay, just making sure. Yeah. Yeah, so in the triangle, the line, the triangle is the cloak, the line's the wand, and the circle is the stone. Yeah, I I got that much. I just didn't remember what the stone was. What the stone actually did, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so Voldemort wants to live forever, like, on fame. Got it. (laughs) So I'm gonna live forever. Much needed levity for this episode. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> so, um, he, Jamie was saying that she didn't have to be sorry. She shook her head. I let you die. I didn't tell you about Peter. Rolling his eyes, James ran a hand through his messy black hair. Yes, you did, in your own way, and none of us listened. We were all stubborn, just like you're being now. Harry smiled softly when Hermione pouted, petulantly. I'm not... James laughed at the look on her face and just smiled down at her. Maya, love, you have to live. You've been doing so good with Sirius. You've been getting better. Don't let one stupid day of the year ruin all of that. But I let you die. And you saved my son he said, his eyes turning to look at Harry, who dropped his gaze to the ground, not used to parental appraisal. More times than I can count. I would gladly die a thousand deaths if it meant that he lived. Clearing his throat, Harry slowly inhaled as he tried to focus. It would do no good to stop Hermione crying if he started himself. Whether for her or himself, he wasn't sure. Harry took her hand and squeezed it gently before returning his attention to his father. I could have saved all of you, Hermione argued. I could have fixed it. James shook his head. No, you couldn't. You don't know that. Yes, I do. I'm dead. I'm in the afterlife, which means I know more than you, James said, rather smugly, looking a lot like Sirius. Then, using a fake mystical voice that sounded like Professor Trelawney after too much cooking sherry, he said, I know all the secrets to life. Hermione finally broke a smile. Fine, she said, sniffing. If you're so smart and you know everything, then where did I hide your collection of Play Wizard magazines in sixth year? Yeah, Play Wizard. <laughs> It has always bothered me why that didn't sound quite right. If it was the equivalent of Playboy, oh no, that's right. No, that's right. My brain didn't want to compute that well. No, okay, fine, never mind. Ignore See, me. See, you probably thought it should have said Play Witch because yes. they're all girls, but it's actually for guys. Because so the guy Playboy, is the Playboy. So so, play Wizard. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, I know. I get it. Fine. Anyway, yeah. the logic doesn't make sense for Playboy to me either when I think about it. It's because they're being playboys. Or at least they're trying to. Right. Instead of like about. Anyway. Whatever. Irrelevant. That was you? I thought Sirius stole those. 
James bristled, and then looked down to see Harry staring at him with wide eyes. James <clears throat> cleared his throat nervously and scratched the back of his head. <clears throat> I mean, because... He turned and looked at Hermione for help. No, no, she grinned slyly, wiping her eyes. You're doing great, Jamie. Dig yourself out of that hole. James looked down at Harry. Uh, son? Harry shook his head. Sirius gave me the talk years ago. I really don't want to have another one. You know, all I can picture is like, which is like posed naked on brooms. Sorry. <laughs> like, I was just like, mm-hmm. oh my God. Oh my God. There's so many puns. Or like holding cauldrons mm-hmm. in front of their chest. Or mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a whole other level of honey pot. B- butter, butter, beer, uh, froth lip. I was picturing pygmy puffs in front of the boobs. <laughs> Okay. Funny. Much needed levity right now. Oh um, god! And with and because Playboy had articles, so it's like <laughs> how to stroke your wand or something like I don't know spells for her pleasure. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, well, that's in Cosmo. Oh yeah. Well, that's in both. Oh wait, no, yeah. Playboy actually had like legitimate articles though. Right, like yeah. actual interviews that had yeah. nothing to do with sex. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Can you imagine, though, you finally get to meet your dead dad after, like, 19 years, and he's like, fuck, do I have to give you the talk? <laughs> like, I, I, I love just, that's, like, the first. Also, James is two years older than Harry is yeah. while we were in this scene. So they're, like, peers. Peers. It's very weird. Anyway. <clears throat> just why so I will forever be mad at how old the movies made all of the actors who played Marauders, because they look 40, old. not 21. Yes. Anyway. James looked relieved and turned his attention back to Hermione, who had stopped smiling again. Maya, you made a choice, and you chose right. It's all about choices, isn't it? You and Sirius fought each other for so long because you thought you didn't have a choice, but you did, and you chose one another. This wasn't fate. We all made choices in the war. I chose my fate the moment I joined the Order. We all did. She looked down. How can you ever? There's nothing to forgive, he said, cutting her off. You kept your promise, Maya. You were there for Harry, and I couldn't have asked for more. Actually, I do have a lot more to ask. I want you to move on. I want Remus to stop feeling sorry for himself. He turned and eyed Harry with a stern glare. Same goes for you, son, he insisted, before looking back at Hermione. I want you and Sirius to be happy, to let go of all that anger. I want you to learn to give Dumbledore... Fuck. I want you to learn to forgive Dumbledore, Snape, and Peter. You know what? Not to make it about me, but I just had the thought. It's a really good thing that I'm happier now, because if we were reading this before, I would have not been able to get through this. I would have been done i would have been out of there with the tears so i appreciate this being like when you're not i cried before but this would have made me like yeah done i'm gonna be honest that this is the first time i haven't i haven't actually full-blown had tears pouring down my face that hey baby sister why is your face all wet because it gets me every time the one the line like if i ever needed to cry on cue I want my brother every single time. I read that at work. Mm. 
and was like, I need to go to the bathroom. I mean, I shouldn't oh, have been reading at work anyway, but I mean, <laughs> it was my lunch. I read, no, no, it was lunch break. It was lunch break. I was just reading. I read the orchards at work. So, oh, mm. <laughs> no, ma'am. Anyway, it's a great time. <laughs> Hermione scowled bitterly at the request. Harry could understand where she was coming from, but the look on his father's face bro- brokered no argument. Harry thought of Pettigrew himself and wondered if he had already forgiven the man. He knew he pitied him, especially in death. Do it, James insisted. The war is over. Put us all to rest. Mm. I miss you, Jamie, Hermione said as she stood up. I have missed you too, Maya. Don't tell Sirius, but you were always my best friend. James said, and then glanced down at her hand, noticing the ring. I see the Pratt finally gave you Grandmother Black's ring. Did he say that it was his idea? Because he's a fucking liar. Took me hours to find that thing. Hermione laughed. So, I've got your blessing? James shrugged, smirking as he shoved his hands into the pockets of his robes. Well, I personally think you can do much better than that, Pratt. You know he's old enough to be your father now, right? She rolled her eyes. Very funny. Was he at least romantic? He couldn't top my proposal, of course. Christmas lights and a well-rehearsed speech. He proposed over Chinese takeout. James scoffed. What a tosser. I loved it. You would. (laughs) Jamie, I... I don't know how to do this without you and Lily, Hermione whispered, looking down at her ring. I'm going to get married and continue on life, and you're not here. What are you talking about? James asked incredulously, smiling in approval when Harry retook her hand. We're right here. That will go all of us. (laughs) God damn it. We're bad at doing audio podcasts. <laughs> the long sleeves had to come down. We're all just sitting here silently crying. <laughs> this is fine. Kat looking up and doing the blink. And Hannah Beth is using the delicate one finger, the, the knuckle approach to wiping away tears. At least we know one thing. When we're all 80, Shia's still going to look the same with all this crotch. <laughs> no shit. That bitch ain't going to age. <laughs> and I mean that in a nice way. She takes mm-hmm. it in a nice way. Holy crap. She's going to get the Jennifer Aniston thing. I would just like to yeah, point right. out that this isn't even the chapter or scene that makes me cry the hardest. Text it to me. It's okay. a happy chapter. Oh. It's ha- it, it, it makes okay, me no cry mind. every time. You know, because this is the... There were a couple of chapters that wrecked me. Obviously, Doria. Doria, I at least saw coming. Charles mm-hmm. fucking hit me like a sucker punch. But this one, again, if I ever need to cry on cue, this is literally out of every book I've ever read, every movie I've ever read, this fucking chapter every time. Yeah. I'm eating chocolate because Remus says it'll help. And does it? Mm-hmm. 
Sirius sat at the table in the large dining room of number 12, waiting to hear either the sound of the flu activating or apparition to let him know that Harry and Maya were all right. Remus and Tonk sat with him, his cousin holding his hand and her husband draining a glass of fire whiskey opposite him. Remus poured another serving of the drink and held it out to Sirius, who shook his head, rejecting the offering. All clean, Ginny declared, as she walked into the room carrying Teddy in her arms. The boy was wearing a tiny Halloween costume that looked like a lion constructed from the dual efforts of Luna and Molly. Oh my god, that would be so cute. Mm. Molly plus Luna making a lion costume. Oh. I'm picturing Luna's lion headdress, but yes! very small. Yes! <laughs> kind of like a cowardly lion thing. Oh, I love it. You ever see that video of that little kid in the lion costume where it, it's mom's like, because I don't even know if it's a boy or a girl, but it's mom's just, just like, rawr! And the baby's just sitting there, and she goes, rawr! And then the baby just goes, Ah! <laughs> no, but I do oh, to see that. That's okay, adorable. I will find it and send it to Please you. Please do. So okay. It's like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> I think Kat sent it to me once. We used to send that back and forth to each other when we were having bad days. Um, also, that would fix it. Very quick baby jar moment. Um, we've been teaching JD his animal sounds, and he's got cow down, and he goes, moo! And he finally got nay for horses. For some reason, he whispers, puck, puck for chicken but i've been introducing like weird animals so we do hippo which is ah and he just opens his mouth as wide as he can which i taught him for the dentist and for doctor appointments smart right it's a fun thing and then he does it and then i can quick brush his teeth we do it every night at teeth brushing but the other one i taught him he hasn't been able to figure out cat and dog yet but if i say hey buddy what's a wolf say he goes oh and given that my nickname amongst some of my army friends is Mooney. It's Mooney, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's Actually, I got, to, I got to talk to Pads and his son today, who I do call Teddy, even though his name is Hunter. <laughs> That's adorable. We call It's Teddy or Pup. I, I will say the... Um, okay, animal sounds. Oh, I have a friend who has taught her almost two-year-old that anytime somebody says, what's up, she responds, chicken butt. <laughs> Do not tell my husband that. And it's so cute. It's so funny because it's gotten to the point where, like, her five-year-old older sister is just like, what? And then the two-year-old would be like, chicken butt. And this five-year-old is, like, clearly like, Ugh, whatever. It looks like rolls her eyes. It's so funny. Immediately put on the to-do list when Jimmy isn't home so that he just does it one day. Yeah, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to claim that. I'm going to claim that. He doesn't get to claim that. Okay. He taught my kid his body parts, which I didn't know. Um, and all of a sudden, my kid started pointing to his stomach and going, belly. And I'm like, oh, okay. So we're at that point. Got it. Anyway, before anyone could answer... A silvery stag leapt through the window and looked directly at him before speaking in Harry's voice. Founder, everything is fine. I'm going to be home in a few hours. Have some things to take care of. I forgot what they go do. Sorry. I, do I, I, I don't remember. Well, then this is going to be great. <laughs> Sirius let out a large sigh of relief. Remus stared as the stag disappeared. Is it just me, or does Harry's Patronus still kind of freak you out? Sirius nodded. A bit. 
So, now that the potters are all taken care of, Tonk said as she stood up, we need to get out of this depressing house and celebrate by apparently pretending to be muggles and collecting sweets from strangers. No harm in that, right? Sirius shook his head. You go. I'm going to stay and wait for Harry and Maya. Almost as though his words summoned her, a silvery fox followed the same path the stag had taken through the window. The vixen pawed across the table to stare at Sirius in the face before speaking in Maya's voice. Get out of the house. If I come home and you're drunk again, I'll tell Harry who your first kiss was. Sirius stood in rush and grabbed his leather jacket. You heard the witch. Let's get out of here. <laughs> Cat, do you remember who his first kiss was? James. Oh. <laughs> playing Veritas Serum or Drink. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, that's how we found out. It's yeah. because they were playing Veritas Serum. No, it was a... Truth or Veritas I don't know if I'm a good kisser. I don't know if I'm a good kisser. Should we practice? There is actually a bonus scene of that, so we should read that someday. Oh my god, there's an AO3 chapter we still haven't done. Fuck. Okay. Yep. Fuck. <laughs> well, next. Maybe... If we can get, like, 30 minutes together while I'm down there, maybe try and do it then. Um, okay. I'll see if Jimmy's up for that. Just have him take the kid to the beach. <laughs> but anyway. No, I need to be there. Oh, I no, need no, to no, see no, him no, on yes, yes, yes. He will go to the beach more than once, I'm certain. Anyway. Yeah, but the first time I got to be yes, there, though. Yes, you will see be there the first time my child puts his feet in sand. Okay. I'm also very excited for him to see the ocean for the first time. Anyway. Across yeah, it's going to be like Hannah Beth and Harry Potter world. <laughs> I just... Fuck well, you it guys. was so cute. Your smile just got like bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And you were so happy. Across town in Muggle London, Harry sat back in a reclined chair. His face scrunched up as he winced in pain. Maya was sitting beside him, rolling her eyes at his dramatic expression. Oh, it's not that bad, she said, sneaking a peek as the Muggle tattoo artist put the final touches on Harry's shoulder. That looks great. Almost as nice as mine. Harry laughed, letting out a sigh of relief when the artist wiped down the ink with a wet paper towel. He stood to look at his new tattoo in the mirror. I actually think mine looks better. Yours is all girly. How words should be, I don't know, manly. Maya laughed as she examined their matching ink, differing only in font. She leant her head on Harry's shoulder and smiled at their reflection. Courage and craft. Harry nodded, putting an arm around her and leaning in to kiss the top of her head. Courage and craft. And that's the chapter. Oh, that's nice. I'm glad she ended it that way, Jesus. Um, in case HB cuts the earlier part to maintain the flow, um, I was actually physically crying every time I voiced Hermione crying. So, um, oh no, I'm leaving that in for okay. posterity. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to, I wasn't sure if you're going to like take it out to maintain the gravitas, but yeah, no, um, I did a lot better than I thought I was going to. I will probably do some, but also you need some of the t spacing for timing for the gravitas. So yeah, um, I held it together better than I did when Sirius ran upstairs to get Harry. Oh, that to this day was probably the most difficult thing I've done on this podcast because I don't think any of us saw that coming. No, I totally forgot that he did that. Yeah, and it was just the fact that I had a little boy upstairs. Yeah. And it just, fuck me. Well, I didn't see it coming because I didn't read this. <laughs> 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 I, 
I do you want me to text you the scene that I was talking about earlier that makes me cry oh, yeah. oh, like duh. crazy every time? Um, because I reread it because I reread the ending trying to prep for the end of the story mm. um, on our trip to Orlando this summer. And I read that scene on the plane and was just like <laughs> sobbing like my eyes out. It's great. Good. Good. <laughs> I, I, I did take a picture and texted Shia and be like, you're welcome. Fuck you that this works still. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. I feel like that'll, whatever it is, I feel like it'll make Kat cry because Kat usually cries over the happy stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I get emotional with the sad stuff too, but it has to be like. It has to be the right amount of the headspace. Yes. Yes. It has to be really good, meaty, sad though, because I have a hard time with like sad emotions sometimes. I don't know. Yeah, and, and I think with the Doria thing, because people were surprised that you weren't upset, but it was the thing. Most people read it. that in one fell swoop, and you right, listen yeah. to it over the course of three weeks. Four. So it's yeah. like you had four weeks. Yeah, like you had time to like get used to it. I think yeah. two. Yeah, that's why that gets me. Is because you read it in one chunk, and it's just like the yeah because you you can't train, stop. You, you cannot stop. It's the freight train that you see coming mm-hmm. and you just can't stop and you just like let it hit you. Yeah. Um, that one and um, the happy stuff gets me a lot of times, but that's just the case in general. Sad stuff typically doesn't actually make me cry. It makes me shut down. Like mm. it makes my emotions shut off. So I don't express externally very much when stuff is super sad. So I understand cat like you not. Yeah, and also, like, with me, I have to kind of relate to it to get emotional, if that that makes sense. Like, if I can't relate to it, I can't. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, for me, I – have I shared the sentinels on top of the castle that are emotions in this podcast? No idea. No clue what you're talking about. Okay, so – um. Picture it. September 2016. <laughs> yes, it's a Golden Girls reference. Um, oh, okay. But anyway, uh, I have had a panic attack in front of Jimmy. Jimmy is freaked out and he's like, please go see a doctor. So I did. And I was like, there's something wrong with my heart and my lungs. And they're like, could you be having an anxiety attack? I'm like, that's hilarious. I don't have anxiety. Um, it was an anxiety <laughs> attack. <laughs> of which I had multiple and did not know what it was. Um, but anyway. My doctor, bless her heart, uh, was willing to send me to a cardiologist and a pulmonologist. Um, as it turns out, <laughs> it was anxiety. So I, and she was like, do you want to see a therapist? I'm like, no, I don't need fucking therapy. Um, and then I talked to my sister. My sister was like, I think everybody should go to therapy. Even happy people should go to therapy. Therapy is good for everybody. And I'm like, okay, okay, maybe everybody I'll try Everybody has baggage, even if you don't realize. Mm-hmm. And I showed up to this thing in black jeans, black shirt, dark eyeliner, my hair braided like Viking style. Like it was completely subconscious. I went in there in my equivalent of war paint because I was ready to not let that poor woman in. She broke me down in like three weeks. <laughs> but but anyway, what we talked about, she was like, you compartmentalize everything and you don't let yourself feel anything. And then one small thing happens. And the dam breaks. Yeah, and she's like, and the dam breaks. And your reaction to that emotion in that situation 
is not an, a reaction to that situation. It's a reaction to all of the situations that you have not dealt with for however Hi, long it's been since your it's last. It's me. Yeah. I'm the problem. It's me. Yeah. So she was like, you need to see your emotions not as bad things. They're not weakness. They are the sentinels on top of the castle. And they're letting you know that something is going on and approaching the castle. And then you can look at it and say, what level of response does this require? You have that level of response. And then that problem goes away. What you are doing right now is your sentinel on top of the castle is going, hey, there's a problem, there's a problem, there's a problem, there's a problem. And you're ignoring them. And then by the time you're finally like, what? And you get up there, you're fucking surrounded and you feel like your castle is going to collapse and you just start because throwing catapults under, at everybody. Because you're under siege and you don't know how to deal. And so you just panic and everything, throw everything yes. overboard. Yeah. yeah. And so she was like, when you have an emotion, feel it. If it deserves a small cry, have a small cry. If it deserves, you know, a few hours of anger, be angry for a few hours and then let it go. Or if it requires further feelings and further issues, deal with it then. Have the conversation then. Don't bring it up in three months and go, well, three months ago, you. She's like, have the conversation there. Because having the conversation in the moment and saying, hey, that that didn't feel great. That kind of hurt my feelings. Can you not say that anymore? Is going to go over way better than for the last three months, you've been making me miserable every time you say this. And then the person's like, well, why the fuck didn't you say anything three months ago? I would have stopped. But now you you have thought I'm an asshole for three months and you didn't say anything. So feel yeah, your feelings. But here's the thing. I do that too. And Kenny hates when I do that because he's like, so you waited this long to tell me. And I'm like, okay, first off, the reason why I didn't tell you is because I was scared. I'm scared to talk about it. I didn't know how to talk about it. So sometimes for me personally, I need some time to think about it and really try to understand, is this something I really care to talk about or not? So that's why it takes me a little bit. So even though I agree with you and I think things should be that way, I also, because of the way I am, I understand the other side of it where it's like, yeah, it's going to take me two weeks to like process and figure out if this is worth the fight or the emotional talk or whatever and sometimes I realize yeah it's not I I don't even need to like deal with this so there's no point in it so it's like I think it's a situational thing oh, 100%, 100%. I, I am both of those people I am both of those people it either needs to be talked about right now or you got to stew with it for a little bit and think about if it's worth it yeah no, my it, problem is less with other people it's like my own reaction to something that I didn't deal with it then and even positive emotion like that's why when I have stopped going to therapy because I'm suddenly cured and I don't need it anymore because I'm doing great and I don't have any issues and so that I stopped going for a while mm -hmm. um this has happened three times in my life mm -hmm. so anyway mm -hmm. it's a pattern whatever mm -hmm. anyway so the when I first met my current therapist who I've been talking with for two and a half years now but like when I first got back, I was like, yeah, so I've been in there before. Like, so I'm, and I'm also like fairly self-aware in general. Dad. So she's like, yeah, so you've got, you've got this. I, I understand. I see that you see yourself and it's whatever. And I'm like, yeah. So she's like, so what brings you in this time? If you've done this before, like, you know, the drill, you seem like you've got a good handle. You've got decent tools. And I was like, oh, I just, I don't, I don't feel anything. I have no sense of emotion about anything. Yeah. No, like, I can't enjoy happy shit. Like, stuff that should should be enjoyable and happy. Mm -hmm. It's just gray. Everything is gray. Yeah. So there's nothing yeah. bad, but it's also I've, nothing good. 
Yeah, because I'm that person too who has quit because recently, because I do mine online now because mm-hmm. like no therapist in person can like call me back down here apparently. So I was literally about to be like, you know, I can't afford this right now because I'm trying to save money and like I'm good right now. And then all that crap with my boss and at work mm-hmm. happened and I'm like, okay, I can't cancel this because this new boss is driving me nuts and I need to talk about it with somebody because I can't call Claire five times a day and be like... Yeah, like this chick is driving me nuts. So I'm like, okay, I I can't unsubscribe to therapy. Hannah Beth, please cut out that, um, but not on Wednesday's part. I don't need people knowing when I'm not in my house. All right, um, you're fine. Thank you. I it, yeah, for yeah, it to me like even if I seem fine week to week, or every two weeks or however often I end up going, like if I don't do that check in then I get not fine. And it's like my brain forgets every tool I've learned and I suddenly yeah. can't do anything. Yeah. No, Super and like, great. Yeah. I, I've had weeks where I sit down with, I only see my therapist every other week. And there have been times where I've sat down, I'm like, it's been a really good week. And I will go over all of the really good things I've done. And as I talk about those, I notice some things and I'm like, oh, this is what I did differently. Or this seems to be helping. Or, ooh, mm-hmm. maybe there is something going on there that I need to address. Yeah. But even yeah. when I'm having good days, I still talk to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Now that we have stopped the tears and recovered a little bit, let's thank our patrons. Our November foxes are Muggle Trucker, Tyler Maria, Anthony, Professor Magana Got It Going On, Claire Soothes My ADHD Goblin Brain, Tori, Stacy, Patrick, Leanne, Camille, Martina, Shannon, Atlas, Sandra, Morgan, Nicole, Kayla, Claire, Amber, Jordan, Sarah, Crystal, Kenny, Ryland, Carissa, April, Kaylin, Carly, Diana, Karina, Melissa, Kara, Audrey, Sarah, Another One for the Baby Jar, Ryder, Tessa, Cauldron Mist, and Samantha. Thank you, thank you, thank you, November Foxes. We are thankful for you. Hey, it's a Thanksgiving pun. Um, pun? Eh, it's not really a pun. It's just a Thanksgiving thing, I guess. Set up. Yeah. Anyway. Punchline? Whatever. But uh, this is also a reminder that we are going into the holiday season, which means, and I know we are super sorry about how disjointed episode releases have been. We have faced unprecedented technological issues and schedule changes and children and all sorts <clears> of <throat> things. Uh, and... Hannah Beth editing while on vacation. Um, We will probably miss at least one episode during December just because it's the fucking holidays. And frankly, as much as we love you guys, we also really love our families and would like to spend time with them. Uh, And, you know, not stressing out about recording and editing things. So um, the good news is for you that this is going to lengthen the final season by quite a bit and uh, make of time last just a little bit longer before and, and we just, end we will let you know which week we're going to be skipping yes 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 we'll, yes, yes, we'll yes. give you a heads up as um, always we're still we'll, we're still smushing schedules to figure out which which week at the end of december it will either be the week of christmas or the week of new year's we just haven't figured out which one yet yeah so um that being said uh a wonderful holiday season to you all um for those of you in the U.S., it is appropriate to now listen to Christmas music. For those of you who started listening on November 1st, 
I don't you fucking blame you. No, I don't fucking blame you. It's been I a shit that. couple of years. I, <laughs> I started watched. listening in October. <laughs> oh my god, of course you did. I definitely watched uh, the new Lindsay Lohan Netflix Christmas movie. Was it good? It was delightfully Hallmark. Oh god, horrible movie channel. I'm... It was delightful. It was so hokey. It was great. It was very predictable, but like in the best. Like I signed up for this very mm-hmm. predictable book trope in a movie oh. form. It was great. It was I really like the Princess Switch movies. The they're so good. <laughs> Anyway, okay, we gotta stop. We gotta stop recording. I gotta stop the quick talk. We will see you next Fire Whiskey Friday. Which, by the way, makes my child cackle now. Every time I go, dude, I laughed so much harder at that than I would like to admit. (laughs) It was so cute. I may take the audio so they can hear it. All right, bye, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fire Whiskey and Honey. A special thank you to Shyalani for allowing us to read your story. And thank you to Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo and Hannah Beth for editing our episodes. You can find us on Instagram at FWHpod. And on Twitter at FWHpodcast. And on our website, FWHpod.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to those who support us already. We wouldn't be here without you. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday.